two this morning of a, a message I, I began a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we took a break from it last week when Andrew was here, and uh, we ministered more along the lines of uh, just being thankful here in this season of Thanksgiving uh, that we are always. But uh, I, I began a message a couple of weeks ago titled, uh, the builders on the walls or builders on the walls and and we're going to get back in that this morning uh, because that's exactly what we've been called one of the names one of the uh, things God has given us to do is to be co-builders with him I'll just ask you this morning what part do you play in that today what is your active role in being a co-laborer, a co-builder with God. Now, this message, don't, don't, don't say, well, he's condemning me. No, I'm, I'm going to preach and I'm going to teach and the Holy Spirit's going to do whatever else gets done. And if you find yourself really not functioning as you should and could, then all this is going to be today is a message for you that maybe will jar you and help you to it in the process. Most of the church is outside the process of the building process. I said most of the church is not in the building process. They may be in a church building, but what part are they playing as the body of Christ? What part are they experiencing when Jesus said, I'll build my church? You're the church. How's he building you? Can everybody stand up? Can we just take turns and cover everybody in the sanctuary today and go around the room and everybody stand up and tell what God's doing, how he's building me right now? We're not going to do that, but that's a challenging statement. Would I be able to get up and tell everybody what Jesus is doing in my life as he's building me? I am the church. And if you'll remember what we looked at in the first session was Nehemiah getting news back to him that the end of the 70-year period of captivity, which it was right nearing the very end of that, that God sent his people on purpose because of their sin into Babylonia, into Babylon, is to be captive for 70 years. And it was nearing the end of that, and some people had already escaped and went back to Jerusalem, and they brought word back that the, that the walls were crumbled down and the gates were burned and the city of God was, was just in shambles. And it broke his heart when he heard the news, and he just dropped down, he just sat down, and he began to weep before God. And you can read all this in Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll look at it in a minute. But it, 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 it broke his heart to hear about, the, and really it was the city of God, the, the Jerusalem, Zion was the city of God. And it broke his heart to hear that. And uh, let's, uh, let's, I'm, I want to read about three scriptures, then we'll go to Nehemiah this morning. The first one, again, is Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18. Isaiah chapter 60, verse 18, the Bible says, and this is a promise to Israel literally for the geographical area of Jerusalem one day, but it's for you and me and what the Lord's doing in our hearts today. Violence, which means wrong and unjust gain, shall no more be heard in your land, wasting nor destruction within your borders, but you shall call thy walls salvation and thy gates praise. <clears throat> that's coming for a thousand years when Jesus comes to reign and we're reigning with him and, and Israel there has been saved and the, the, the walls are going to be there and they're going to be called the walls of salvation and the gates are going to be called gates of praise. And there's not going to be any violence, the Bible says. There's not going to be any wrong within those walls. There's not going to be any unjust gain within those walls. Aren't you glad about that? There's not going to be anything that's being wasted within those walls. There's, there's not going to be any destruction within those walls. Aren't you glad you've been saved? And the enemy, he can't destroy you. The devil cannot destroy you. You can destroy yourself, but he can't destroy you if you keep your faith in what Jesus did to put you out of his reach. Amen? Amen. 
Psalms 127 verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Let me read that again. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman wakes but in vain. All labor must be the labor of the Lord, and we're just involved in it. It's not our labor, and he's involved in it. It's his labor, and we're involved in it. You get that turned around, you big trouble. It's not our labor, and he's in it. It's his labor, and we are co- we're, we're not the laborers, and he's the co-laborer. He's the laborer, and we're the co-laborer. You got to find where he's working, and then you can be co-worker with him. Amen. And it don't matter what you think you're keeping. If it's not the Lord who's doing the watching for you, you're not going to see what you need to see. Amen. The last one I'll read before we go to the book of Nehemiah is Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is Jesus as Peter has answered the question Jesus asked, who do men say that I am? And the the disciples said, Elijah, this, that, and the other, John the Baptist. And and Jesus does what he always does. That's why folk really, that's the main reason folk were scared of him because he always made everything personal. That's why most people in today's church won't go to a little setting like this because it's very personal in here. All you got to do is turn your head one time. You can see everybody that's in here. The flesh likes going to a place where there's a thousand people where we can slide in the back. A few people might see us. Then we can slide on out and be gone. Little old room like this, somebody comes in that door. You hear it when it opens and everybody in here. Who that? It's personal. That's the way Jesus wants it, personal. He always made it personal. And those who wouldn't let him get personal with them, they got away from him. That'll preach right there. But this is what uh, Jesus said when Peter answered him and said, you're the son of God. You're the Christ. He knew who he was. And Jesus said, well, your flesh didn't tell you that. But the Father in heaven told you that. And then Jesus said, and I say unto you that you are Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And what he's talking about there is this rock, and Peter's name does mean a fragment of a big rock who is the rock of our salvation, Jesus. Peter is a fragment of that rock, your lively stones. Amen. But he's telling Peter, I'll build my church on this rock, this rock of this revelation that you just received of who I am. See, there is no building of our Lord that's not building on the revelation of Jesus. And I'm not talking about because of it. I'm talking about building on it, talking about it. It is the labor. If the walls are salvation, who is your salvation? If the gates are gates of praise, who are you praising? Are you praising yourself if you if you've not got your faith anchored in Calvary? Millions today will gather in sanctuaries all over America and they will claim their worship in God, but their faith is in something other than the cross, meaning it's in themselves, so their worship cannot get out from themselves. And they wonder why after church nothing feels different, nothing happened, not because the cross was left out. Without the cross, there is no building. Without the cross of Christ, the Lamb being the focus, there is no building. God builds from the foundation that He began before the world, and that was the Lamb slain. And when Adam and Eve sinned, He brought that message to them of a promised redeemer that would crush the devil's head though the devil would bruise his heel. The message of the cross was there that day in type and shadow. And every word God has ever spoken, Jesus said it was concerning him. He is the revelation of the scriptures and God doesn't build outside of the scriptures. Amen. And the scriptures come to light only in the Lamb of God. 
Revelation 21 and 23 says, The Lamb is the light. So Jesus says, I will build my church. You're not the builder, preacher. I'm not building nothing here at Crossway Church. I might be co-building, but it ain't my plan. It ain't my church. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's his plan, and it's his building process. And if I'm involved in building, I've just got to be a co-laborer, co-builder with him. Amen. And I've come to realize that he's not building outside of the message of the cross. I don't care where you open your Bibles, you've got to find Jesus. And where you find him is, is in the revelation of what he did for you at Calvary. You can open your Bible and the first words you see in Genesis 1 and 1 speak of Jesus in the beginning. Jesus says, I am the beginning. The Bible starts with Jesus. It ends with Jesus. And he is the center of everything. Amen. If Jesus is not involved in it, then it's not the work of God. I've said it for 18 years, more than that now, that we don't preach what we preach. We're not, we don't have a ministry here just because of the cross. Or let me say it how I've always said it. Our ministry is not just because of the cross, but it's because of the cross and about the cross. That's our ministry. You don't like it, you're not going to like us, and you really don't like the Lord. You think you do, but you don't. Amen. There's too many tares in the church today. Too many tares among the wheat. Amen. And too many wheat, too many Christians that are really not interested in the things of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Well, y'all won't stay there. Y'all get quiet on me. We'll just stay there and deal with that. Where are we in the building process? Well, I can't be a part of the building process. I can't be one of the co-builders if I'm not being built myself. The building starts in here. The building starts in here. And again, don't sit there today and say, well, I ain't doing that. It ain't about yesterday. It's about right now. It's always about right now with the Lord. He's never going to point back and condemn you because he's not going to condemn you over nothing. But he is going to give you another opportunity moment by moment to get involved. And you say, well, what do I got to do to get involved? Look to Calvary. He'll guide you. Realize this world's not your home and you shouldn't be focused on all that. They sang the song this morning, Nothing Else Matters. Is that really, are we just mouthing words or is that, have we realized nothing else matters outside Jesus? Do you know that, 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 that you're going to leave this earth pretty soon? It could be today. I ain't talking about the rapture either. I'm talking about fall over dead. And when you do, only what Christ has been able to do in you and through you, that's all you're going to have going for you in all eternity. Amen. I want, I want to be involved. Amen. So let's go to Nehemiah this morning, chapter 1, point out a few things, and I want to try to get somewhere today if I can. Uh, but we're probably going to have to read uh, this, this whole first chapter again this morning. And nothing wrong with that, is it? I said there ain't nothing wrong with that, is it? Let's read it. I'll try not to stop. The words of Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Chislu. If you missed the first session, the first message of this, go back and listen to it because I gave the definitions of these names here that are very powerful. It came to pass in the month Chislu, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan the palace, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. Get this right here now, because this right here is what's going to determine your involvement in the building process. 
If you'll remember, and I knew I'd stop. Lord, help me. But you, if you'll remember, when you begin to hear the message of the cross and you realize if this is true, and it is because I'm seeing it in the Word, then the church is in trouble. And at that point right there, a decision had to be made whether you were conscious of it or not, you made it. If the church is in that much trouble, but see, a lot of people made the other, no, that can't be, this can't be that exclusive because the Lord wouldn't have let his church get in this big a mess and, and surely we're not that far off track. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, all you've got is the scriptures. And if you don't let them guide you, it's your flesh. So again, let me say it. When we begin to hear the message of the cross, first thing it did was make us realize how wrong I was. That's where it starts right here, and we'll see that in this first chapter. And then when we realize how wrong I am because the Scriptures say this, but I've been all of that, then I realize the church is in trouble. This is what Nehemiah is saying. Jerusalem's in trouble. The walls are crumbled. The gates have been burned. The Gentiles just overtook it and destroyed it after God sent his people into Babylon. So look at this now, verse 4. And when it came to pass, I heard these words, and it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days, not for 15 minutes. Mm. And he fasted and prayed before the God of heaven and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and, 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 and awesome God that keeps covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that you mayest hear the prayer. What's, it, what's the first thing he does after he cries? He begins to pray. He begins to cry out to God. And that's exactly what you did when you stepped into when the Lord made the, known to you his covenant again when he found you in great despair. Your heart had become like Jerusalem. Your heart had become like Jerusalem. Burnt and seared and wondering why everything wasn't working like it should be. The Bible says this, but they're all, and I'm in it too with them, doing all this. And what about the Word? And our hearts were in a miserable condition. And we wept, and, and God found us in that condition. And he found us in the very fear of the Lord, and he made known his covenant to us. And when he did, we saw how really the matter was worse than we thought when we first knew. And we begin to cry about how what we've done to the Lord for many years. How we've sang songs like, uh, I'm sorry for what I made it. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. But I didn't even know what the heart of worship was until the covenant was made known to me again. In our hearts, the church today, 99.9% .9 of it, the, the, the walls of their heart are in trouble. The, the gates are not gates of praise toward God, but gates of, of praise, gates of something else. How do you know that, preacher? Because the cross, the lamb, is not center stage. They use the words sometimes, but it's not centrality of it all. Hmm. Verse 6, let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant which I pray before you now day and night. Not a little five-minute segment. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against you, both me and my father's house has sinned. It ain't look at all them wrong, God. What you going to do about them? Lord, I've been wrong. I'm wrong. 
I remember coming out of all that mess and the Lord bringing me out of all that mess and, and I said, thank you for getting me out. Man, them people are all messed up. And he right then, one of the very few times I've ever heard him this strong in my heart told me you're as messed up as they are. Well, you don't like hearing that from the Lord. But I began to realize it, Lord. I was a part of that mess. I was a part of that mess. And I call it mess because that's what it is. If it's not a focus of Christ crucified, it's, it's going to get you in the mess because that's what it is. We have dealt very corruptly against you. We, not they, we have dealt very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments which you command your servant Moses. Remember, I beg you, Lord, the word that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, if you transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the, of the heaven, yet will I gather them from there and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there you see God has chosen to set his name in Jerusalem it's not only the city of David it's the city of God and if we have time I'll show you that in the scriptures today he says in verse 10 now these are thy servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand O Lord I beseech thee let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name see it brother Dewey you see it there me and Dewey talk about the fear of the Lord all the time you see that there in the Bible what's their desire to fear the Lord remember Psalms 25 14 the secret of the Lord I said the secret the Lord has a secret the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him and he makes known to them and nobody else his covenant it takes the fear of the Lord which is the proper value and worth from your heart placed on God so let's read this again, verse 11. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. See, notice he didn't even say who fear your name. He said, Lord, he being, he's being as honest and open before the Lord. Lord, your servants who want to fear your name. That ought to be our prayer today. Say, Lord, I fear you. Lord, I want to fear your name. And teach me the fear of your name. That's what David prayed. Let's read it again. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee, let now your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who desire to fear your name and prosper. I pray thee, thy servant, this day, and grant him mercy. In the sight of this man, for I was the king's cupbearer. Now, if we want to turn over to chapter 2, and we want to go down here, and I'm not going to read a lot of this today, but let me just say this to you. If you want to read a powerful, powerful story in the Old Covenant, this is one of them. This is where God has, he begins to reveal the things that, belong to him that are broken down and they're not the way they should be. Again, this relates to you and me in our day-to-day. -day. When he found us in a broken-down state, a state we shouldn't have been in, believing in, trusting in, declaring and decreeing all these things, instead of having our hearts surrendered and yielded to the very sacrifice of Christ, when we realized that we'd been off track well, he had to correct us and he had to point us in the right direction. And it broke our hearts that we'd wasted that much time, that many years in false ministry or false whatever it was because if it's not cross-centered, it's false. If it's not cross-centered, it's not right. Amen. I said it on my broadcast Friday morning. God cannot impart a word into your heart that's not dipped in the blood. It's not impartable. Everybody understand that? No, you don't. 
God cannot engraft any word of his into your heart if it's not dipped in the blood. If, and that means if, it's, if your faith is not in the sacrifice. And I'll prove it to you in the scriptures. All my words are in righteousness. Proverbs 8 and 8. The Bible says that all of God's words are in, that little two-letter word means a place, somewhere, in righteousness. Romans 1, 16 and 17 says that his righteousness is revealed in a place, the gospel. The gospel is who Jesus is and what he did at Calvary. It's the work of righteousness. All of God's words are in righteousness. And this is why we've been seduced as a church and we think we can declare the word and decree the word and God's just going to get on board and all our decreeing and all our declaring and do something based on our decreeing and our declaring. But see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But uh, uh, Josiah, could we put Second Peter 1 and 1 on the screen? It'll help some uh, today. Faith doesn't come except through righteousness. I didn't mean to get into this day, but the Spirit of the Lord, he must mean for me to. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God. And what avenue did the righteousness of God come through? And our, what's the next word? Savior, Jesus Christ. This is why the church doesn't understand why things aren't working out. Does the Bible not tell us that if we hold his words of truth in an unrighteous context, that his wrath will be revealed from heaven against all that ungodliness and unrighteousness? Because that's all that can be. All faith, the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, must come through righteousness and our Savior, Jesus Christ. That's why the church is in a mess today. They don't know this. And they say, well, that's just sound. I mean, that's just all that what you're calling sound theological doctrine. We don't need that. We just love Jesus. You better be careful with all that. Because you're told to be increasing in the knowledge of your Savior. You're told as Christians to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So that was a little side note for you. If you didn't have enough time to write it down, go back and listen to it. Faith comes only through righteousness. Amen. Y'all all right with that? You better be, because it's the Scripture. Everything else is just... See, when we're confronted with sound doctrine, we're faced with, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because a lot of people, they don't want to hear sound doctrine because they're just believing something. Do you know how many millions of people think that God's just going to honor them because they're believing something? God doesn't honor anything except what his son did at Calvary. And when we're trusting in him, then the word of God that was the living word of God can now come to life in this flesh. Mm. Amen. So in this second chapter here, go all the way down to verse 10, and I'll show you what happens when God shows you that things are wrong and he begins to try to build you. You're the church. Jesus said, I'll build my church. And when God reveals things that are wrong and he starts to attempt to build, immediately there's going to come some problems. There's going to come some problems from with, well, all your problems going to come from within, even if some people show up to be a hindrance and a distraction where it's distracting you and being a hindrance is in your heart. Amen. So you see here in verse 10 of Nehemiah chapter 2, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Do you know the devil got mad when you said the cross is the answer? Do you know every religious spirit that ever hears that gets angry? 
Do you know every person who thinks the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which is for all believers today, by the way, do you know that every person who thinks the baptism with the Holy Spirit is the answer for deliverance and victory over sin, they they get irritated when you start talking about Calvary as the answer because the walls are broken down in their life, the walls of salvation. The walls are broken down. And God's raising up men, women, boys, and girls to build the walls. Hallelujah. What's the walls? The Bible says they're salvation. What's salvation? Where does it come from? It comes from Jesus alone through what he did at Calvary alone. There's no building without that. There's no rebuilding without that. Amen. Let's go down a little further. Verse 17, then Nehemiah said unto them, and these people, these people, they laughing them to scorn. They laughing at them for this. The religious people are laughing at you today. They laughing at us. All they want to do is open the Bible and talk about the cross. That's all God's ever done. That's all he's ever done. Why y'all need to talk about prayer? You need to talk about uh, uh, forgiveness. You need to talk about all these things. Listen, we do, and we have for over eighteen years. What the religious folk don't like is how the Lord Himself ties it all to Calvary. We've talked about everything in the book. They don't like the focus of Calvary. <clears throat> you know why? And if they don't, not a one of them's being led by the Lord. You know how I know it? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit leads us right up to and delivers us to death. And if you're not willing to accept that, then you can't be led of the Lord. You can't be, Galatians 5 ties right into that. Romans 6 ties right into that. Unless you're willing to keep your heart, your, your heart anchored in the death of Jesus and your death with him, so that this life's not all about you. You having the last word, you being in charge of everything, you getting your way about everything. If your faith is in the sacrifice, it's removed you. Amen. Boy, I need that more than anybody. Verse 17, then said I unto them, you see the distress that we're in? How Jerusalem lies waste. Do you see the distress that's in the church today? Or are you one of those that's deceived and actually thinks the church is okay? I hear preachers saying church is better off than it's ever been. That's a blind man saying that. That's an unscriptural man saying that. Because that wasn't what the Holy Spirit was saying 1,900 years ago, and it's obvious 1,900 years later it's way worse than it was then. These are hirelings after money. Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we're in, how Jerusalem lies waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire? Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more reproach. Hallelujah. When you get involved in what God's doing in this hour right now, he's rebuilding the walls of the truth of Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what he's building because the walls are walls of salvation. And Jesus is our rock of salvation. He is the building block. Hallelujah. He's the what? The Bible calls him the what? The cornerstone. And we're lively stones in experience if we're being built up upon him by the Lord. So look at verse 18. Then I told them of the hand, I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. And you know the, the hand of God is upon you. You can find it in the scriptures if your faith is in the sacrifice of Christ and you're walking with him in the light that he's walking in. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. Let's, let me just declare that today. Let us rise up and build. Many are going to come along and not want to rise up and build, but we're going to choose this day to rise up and build in this new covenant theology. Hallelujah. We're going to rise up and build so they strengthen their hands for this good work. 
The good work of the new covenant is the work of Jesus Christ perfected on Calvary's cross. But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us. Bless their little hearts. They don't really know anything about the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit. And some have come into the focus of what God is doing in the, in the building of the walls, the, the building of his church, and they've got a taste of this doctrinal soundness, but, but they, thought, they thought that they had to also still maintain their, their, their hand in the other. Let me tell you something, there ain't no other. There ain't no other. I don't care what's going on anywhere. If their boast and their message doesn't bring you to a, a revelation of Jesus and what he did at Calvary, there ain't no building going on. Jesus said, I'll build my church on this rock. That rock was the revelation of who he is. And that is not experienced unless we accept Christ as Savior initially, which means was the first time we were delivered unto death. And then we have to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to deliver us unto death so that even in these mortal bodies we can express this one who is the rock of our salvation. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? You see, there's always somebody out there that's going to say, this is what y'all are doing. Y'all are rebelling against the establishment. That's why we don't, that's why we, we're not involved in the religious titles of men because that's all man's control. And if you're not a part of all that what men have built, and it's just men have built it, then they don't really want to have nothing to do with you because they can't control you. Then answered I them, verse 20, Nehemiah 2, and said unto them, the God of heaven will prosper us. The God of heaven will prosper us. Has he not prospered you ever since you stepped foot into the revelation of Calvary? Ever since you threw the towel in on all that that you were wasting all your time on and you, you began to uh, allow him to lead you through the scriptures in the revelation of the one who said the scriptures are about me, you begin to prosper, hallelujah. Anybody that takes up the cross begins to prosper. Because see, self can't prosper in God's eyes and for me to take the cross up, I've got to be denying myself. See, it ain't the cross and self, it's the cross without self. Hmm. Then answered I and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us, therefore we his servants will arise and build. No matter what, it's the second time he's saying it in the midst of all this mouthing going on. He's saying, he's saying, having to say it again. Listen, no matter what y'all say, the God of heaven is in this that we're preaching. He's in this that we're teaching. He's in this that we're believing. He's in this building process. He is with us. The God of heaven is going to prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. The prosperity of God in your life is not the monetary things that you have. It's the mercy you're experiencing in your heart. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Proverbs 28 and 13 that if we try to cover our sin, we will not prosper. But he that confesses and forsakes his sin shall, pro shall have the mercy of God. He relates our prosperity to his mercy. And it's it's only through his mercy that he builds. Amen. So now we don't have much time left, but I want to show you this before we leave today, before we pray together, and that's in Nehemiah chapter 3. And I'll never cover all this at all, but it's, it's too much. We'll move on next time, hopefully. But in Nehemiah chapter 3, I'll read a few of these verses, and we're going to skip through this because the Lord wants you to see something today. First thing he wants you to come to grips with is the reality of your responsibility to get involved in the building process in the new covenant you are a co-builder 
You're a co-laborer. So watch this. Watch these men being, listen, these men being moved by the Spirit of God because one man made a decision. Let me say to you today, if you're praying for your family, you need to do more. Let God move you. Let God begin the building in you. But see, he didn't just pray. He's like Elijah. He knew true faith. Faith prays, and then faith allows God to go to work in them. Don't get stuck in something, well, I prayed. I've been praying 40 years. What you been doing? Elijah prayed for rain and sent somebody to look for it. You praying for God to heal your body, you wake up every morning saying, Am I healed, Lord? Lord, I, I need a little, I need a little help. Lord, I need some friendship. And the Lord in his word said, You need to be a friend to others then. Let the Lord build in you. When the Lord, and I don't have time for all this, we're going to make time. When the Lord got a hold of me in 1994 and just spun me around like a tornado hit me. And I went home and told Robin, everything going to be different. I'm, le- I'm quitting all that. And then I got me a Bible and carried it to work. Everybody was like, what's wrong? He went from selling us dope now to trying to peddle a word on us. And because the Lord had got a hold of my heart, that had a huge effect on all my family, even my parents, all my family. See, pray and keep praying. Nehemiah did, but then he did something. See, you're not called just to be a hearer of the word. You're called to be a doer. And if all you are experiencing is hearing and not doing, James said, we deceive in ourselves. So I had to say that today. Let God move you. Let God build you. And you'll find out that process that he's allowed to do in you is going to start reaching out through you to other people. Yeah, some folk going to think you an idiot. But what about those that don't? Look at verse 1. Then... Elishib, now all these names in here, they're not from northeast Texas, so y'all bear with me. Then Elishib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, uh, the priests, and they, look, they did, they built the sheep gate. Now, verse 2, we're going to go through this real fast, Josiah. We're going to be moving quick. And next to him, builded the men of Jericho. Look, everybody done gone to work. Everybody's building. Let me say it this morning. God's raising up the builders. He's raising up the builders. Most going to laugh them to scorn, but the builders going to build. And the prosperity is in what God's doing to build through them. Verse 3, the fish gate did the sons of Hasina build. Verse 4, and next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Jai. And next to them repaired. Verse 5, and next to them repaired. And these, these men, they've come from, from everywhere. They, they've come and, and, and because one man got the news, the church is in trouble. God help me. I've been a part of its cause. And, and, and something's got to change. And God began to change you and he began to build you and through his building you other people we have a church to prove it we have a gathering here to prove it the laborers are few but there's some but there's some and this whole chapter here is about this family this man began to join and build and they begin to build and this wall went I don't know how long it went but there were men imagine this there were men building the wall of the city of God all the wall and the gates were being restored by men not just so they could say look what we did but because that was the city of God 
That was where God stamped his name in that Mount Zion. I got to read this to you today real quick before we get at it. Look at Psalms 87 verses 1 through 7. I told you I was going to show you where the Bible calls this place the city of God. I wish I could have gotten here sooner. Psalms 87 verses 1 through 7. His foundation is in the holy mountains. You know where the holy mountains are, right? Over in Jerusalem. That's holy mountains. That's where God's mountain are. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. Think about this. Why are we going back to rebuild? Because the Lord loves the gates of praise more than all the other praise in the world. Look at what it says. The Lord, verse 2, the Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwellings of Jacob. What is Zion? Zion is a mountain in Jerusalem, a hill in Jerusalem. That's where Jesus will get there. Watch verse 3. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Glorious things are spoken of you, O city of God. Verse 4, I will make mention of Rahab and Babylon to them that know me. Behold, Philistine and Tyre with Ethiopia. Watch now, this man was born there. Now, I personally believe that's prophetic of Jesus. He was born over there. Not only was he born in Bethlehem, that's a part of Israel, but he was crucified outside the gates of Jerusalem on a hill. Not only was he born of a virgin in that land, but he was the first born from the dead in that land. Think about that. And Zion, it shall be said, this and that man was born in her, and the highest himself shall establish her. The Lord shall count when he writes up the people. You know the Lord's getting ready to write up some people? The Lord is a writer writing books right now in heaven. The Lord shall count, and when he writes up the people that this man was born there, as well the singers as the players on instruments shall be there, all my springs are in thee. We're talking about the city of God. Now, for the Jews, that means a natural geographical area. But we know all this is symbolic of what goes on in the heart of man. Even though it's coming to pass one day on a geographical, physical location, it's going on in the hearts of the people of God. Because the city of God is a reflection of this man, Jesus. The man, the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of the city, and the whole world. Have you received the revelation of the cross as it pertains to your daily living and the building process that the Bible calls your experience and expression of your sanctified position? Are you in that process? Are you being built by the Lord Jesus Christ himself? Are you being built by Christ right now? Are you in the building process? Is your life less of you and more of Him? Is your heart hungry for more truth? Where are we in this new covenant building process that Jesus said, I will build my church? Do you ever ask yourself these questions? I do. If you're building the church and I'm the church and, and you're building me, they got to be some fruit to that. There's got to be some fruit to that. More than going to a church sitting on a chair on Sunday morning, there's got to be some fruit of being built by the Lord himself. Amen? Well, I'm just encouraging you this morning. I'm challenging you this morning to get real with the Lord like Nehemiah did, Lord. I know the church is in a mess, but I'm in a mess. See, saying that to the Lord and then going about your merry business, 
When you come to the grips that that is true, that you need him building you, and that you're going to have to come face to face with the place where he builds you, which is him delivering you unto death, he only builds out of that death. Then when you come to grips with your life, is this this life is not about us becoming somebody and 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 well known and 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 all these things. This life is Christ, or it's not true life. You'll know you're you'll know you're playing tiddlywinks with the world when you start thinking that the sin and what God calls an abomination is okay. That means you're not okay. And that means you're avoiding the building process. You know how many Christians, or let me say it a better way, how many children are raised in Christian homes that when they get old enough, they just leave all that. I don't want no more of that. What's well, a matter of the heart? It's just called unbelief. God's not going to be in charge of my life. I am. If you're here today and that's you, you can, that can all be changed. It can all be changed. I've known men who were 97 when they got saved. In church almost every Sunday of his life, at 97, this man in his, in his right mind, he comes down the aisle and he's in his right mind. He says, I've never been born again. I've been in church almost every Sunday of my life. I've never been born again. And at 97... He's born again. I don't, know how, I don't know how common that is, but I'd be willing to say not very. If you're here today and your life's all about you and not Jesus, you can be saved from that dilemma. You can be saved from yourself because yourself is leading you to destruction. But we are the church. Let us rise and build. Hallelujah. Let us... Well, the Lord's doing the building. Let us rise and build. We're the builders, co-builders with the Lord. Amen? This message was meant to be challenging, yet encouraging. Because we need to get real with God like Nehemiah did. He got real. He didn't say, well, they've destroyed the city. What you going to do about it? It broke his heart that the church was in the state it was in in his day. Is it breaking your heart that the church is in the state it's in in our day? Because if it is really and truly breaking your heart, then you want to be a part of the solution. And the solution is but one. It's Christ and Him crucified. That's more than a slogan. It's more than words. It's the place where you met Jesus and He put you away and made a new creation in Him. Those are more than words. That, those are truths that if you keep your faith there, you'll be in the building process. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?